0: Hey guys, it's Lana, and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Today is a really special episode that I've wanted to do for a very long time. It is with somebody who i have worked very closely with i have been very close to someone who i almost started a podcast with a few times um you guys i am gonna kind of just get right into the episode and skip the intro because i'm so so excited and honored to have molly Fetic here molly is the founder of buzzkill wines a brand new like brand spanking new non-alcoholic wine company. She is formerly Hinge's content director, my former boss at Hinge, um, and the reason I ended up at Hinge, and my friend, Molly Fettick. Welcome to Seeing Other People.
1: Uh, Thank you. Hi, Alana. So glad to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited,
0: Molly, for this episode. Do you remember when we literally almost started a podcast about adulting?
1: Yeah. And I'm glad, honestly, you're so much better at it than I am. So I'm glad that you are just doing your own thing and like crushing it. Obviously I've been keeping an eye on you. Um, But yeah, I think um, I would not have been as good at it with you as you are by yourself. So I'm just like happy that you're, you're doing as well as you are.
0: I appreciate that, but I almost beg to differ. I think I need to send you the episode that we recorded that like, like first episode that we recorded. Molly, it's amazing. I feel
1: like it was kind of cringy.
0: No, it's real. I mean, you might cringe, but like, I feel like you cringe at a lot of things. I cringe so. at everything I do. Everything. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really good, and I think it needs to like be out there somewhere. But all right, well, maybe we'll we see.
1: can put it. Maybe you can like include <laughs> snippets of it on seeing other people.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, Molly,
1: hear, hear about it. But okay, anyway, continue. <laughs>
0: Tell the Seeing Other People family who you are, what you do. We're gonna get into like so many details about your life, your dating life, your career, everything, Mm -hmm. but just to kick it off, like, who are you? Where in the world are you? Where in your dating life and your career are you? All that jazz.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh gosh, what, what section should I start with? (laughs) Like career dating? Who are you?
0: Who is Molly?
1: All right. Well, hi listeners. Um, I'm Molly. Uh, I am 33 years old. I live in Hermosa beach, which is a little bit South of LA. Um, I am currently single and I was Alana's boss at Hinge. I was at Hinge for almost five years, um, where I was the content director. I was the creative director for a little bit. Um, prior to that, I was a journalist. I had a bunch of meme pages. I've kind of done a lot of, um, different things. And originally I'm from Chicago, but I ended up here, um, after the pandemic. Um, I did a stint in Key West. I did five months in Key West during the pandemic, five months in Lake Tahoe. Um, and then during that time, I, I guess I could talk a little bit about like what, you know, how buzzkill came about. So I took up like eight months off from drinking during the pandemic. And that was, um, that was during the time that I, uh, decided that I, you know, I just really missed wine and I wanted to, you know, drink it still, but not have the alcohol and like the, all the bad effects that come from drinking. So, I started looking into different wine alternatives and didn't really find any that I liked. They were all kind of gross. So um, long story short, I reached out to an old sorority sister of mine. She's in the wine industry and she helped me start Buzzkill. So um, here we are. That was about a year ago. And now I just did my canning. It's a canned product. So I just did my canning on uh, like two weeks ago. So Monday, two weeks ago. It has been so
0: cool seeing the entire process unfold. I obviously know nothing about what it takes to make wine, which also you didn't like a year ago. No, I literally Um, have no idea. I have
1: no background in wine, no background in, so it's, I've learned all these like acronyms since I've started this. So like CPG, consumer product goods. So um, no background in that. Everything that I did was in like tech and journalism and social media and stuff. So I, yeah, I was pretty much starting from scratch.
0: If you are anything like me and you are going on a date, you're probably like nervous, but also excited, but just like really want to have a good time. Don't want to screw anything up. And you get like the pre-date jitters. Um, for me there were two things that I would do to help with those pre-date jitters I would always call a friend for a little pump-up speech and I would also take a happy gummy from mindset wellness CBD before my date it would help me stay in the right mood being excited being present but it would also take away that layer of nerves that was going to stop me from being my best self on the date I love the happy gummies they are incredible they taste great they don't make you feel high or anything like that they just make you feel like the best version of yourself so try them today definitely recommend trying them before a date mindsetwellnesscbd.com use code seeing other people at checkout that will get you 20% off and free shipping yeah so now in terms of drinking are you sober or do you just live like a more sober lifestyle or do you still drink and sometimes you just want the option to drink non-alcoholic wine
1: so it would be um the last thing that you mentioned so i'm not sober anymore um i actually So what I call myself is like sometimes sober, which I think is, um, a term that like sober curious is a term that gets thrown around a lot, which I think is a great term, but that to me implies that you're trying to become fully, like fully sober. Like you're, you're trying to become fully sober. I did take a lot of time off of drinking. Um, and it was awesome. I felt fantastic. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, mentally, physically, everything, but at this point in my life, like, I still drink sometimes, but um, it's in a lot more, like, a healthy way. I don't really, like, binge drink or do anything anymore. Um, I haven't blacked out or browned out or anything in a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to do with buzzkill is make make it okay to make drinking alcohol, like, an option rather than a necessity if you're in a social situation. So, that's why I call myself like sometimes sober. I obviously want like, you know, an occasion drink. So like a wine or a cocktail or whatever on like a weeknight, but I just don't want to drink the alcohol. So that's why I think it's important to have like stuff like Buzzkill out on the market.
0: Absolutely. And and while we're on the topic, I kind of just want to touch on sober dating really quickly for mm-hmm. those who out there who are sober for whatever reason. Um, I get I do get a lot of questions about like, how do I plan a date where like, I feel comfortable if they're saying they want to get drinks, and I stop drinking because of this medication because I don't want to drink anymore because of this experience, whatever, like, I feel weird going to a drink state. But I also feel weird saying like before I met this person saying, No, actually, I don't drink, can we go to a coffee shop or do this other activity instead. So like for those people, what advice do you have in those types of situations?
1: Honestly, I'm not going to pretend like that's an easy thing to navigate because I think that's been one of the hardest things to navigate. Like right now, like in this present moment, I'm taking a month off of drinking. So that doesn't mean that I'm taking a month off of dating though. So I've actually been thinking um, about that too. I think think it's a nuanced answer. I think for me, I can be in a bar and not drink and I still like the setting of a bar. So for me, I wouldn't... um, I wouldn't feel like I had to go like have a smoothie or go to a coffee shop. I actually think coffee shops are like one of the worst places to have a date just because like they're so, you feel like you're in an interview. Like I go for a job meeting at a coffee shop. You know what I mean? But um, so I honestly, I wouldn't do that. I have a friend who, um, her name is Amanda and she um, is a friend I went to college with and she stopped drinking a while ago. And one thing that she said um, that I thought was really smart, not necessarily about dating, but just about social situations in general with alcohol is that having an activity makes it so much better when you're, cause you're, you gotta do something with your hands. Like if you're not yeah. holding a drink or whatever, or the focus isn't being in a bar, sitting in alcohol, like, you know, doing alcohol related things, like you've gotta be doing something. So especially if you're at the beginning of that journey and you're not like quite comfortable yet, um, I would recommend planning like going to Top Golf or like she's had people over at her house for like tie dye parties, like you know going to like a, I mean it's gonna sound weird, but like I I've gone to like tarot card readers on dates, like things like that, like super fun. But honestly, like sitting in an environment where most people would be drinking, like a restaurant bar, even it to me is better than sitting in a coffee shop.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree, and I love those ideas. And I think it's okay if somebody says like, "Let's grab drinks," and, and that's something you don't feel comfortable doing. To be like, actually, I've been dying to check out this bar that has trivia. Like, yeah. what do you say? Something like you know, that. Like, another
1: thing too that I've done before, um, which I just remembered, is get to the if like go to a bar, get to the bar a little bit early, and tell the bartender you are not drinking, but that you don't want to make a big deal about it, and then be like, "Can you make a mocktail for me?" And then just like mm. keep them coming. Then if you're sitting there with a drink and the guy gets there or the girl gets there and you're not, um, and they, they just assume it's alcohol. So I think on a first date too, a lot of people feel pressure and it's totally okay if you want to disclose that you're not drinking on a first date, but like, there's no need. I have this problem and my mom's told me this before. You don't need to spill your whole life story. In the first five minutes of knowing somebody, well, who you? No, (laughs) yeah, I know we're sharing, (laughs) Molly. I know, yeah, like (laughs) we're sharing. But like, honestly, sometimes it's just a thing you don't want to deal with. So, like in Tahoe, for example, I remember I would go on dates all the time to like outdoor. It was middle pandemic, so it was always like outdoor restaurants and stuff, like decks. And the guy would be having a glass of wine or whatever, and I would just have you know what's a great virgin drink that they can always make everywhere is a virgin mojito and it's like so it's got like the mint muddled and the soda water and it always comes in a nice glass they're not gonna that's one of my biggest pet peeves at bars is they if you order like a soda water they'll put it in like a giant glass and it's so obvious that it's just soda water and I'm like bro I'm trying to have like an experience here like I don't want like a giant cup that like a Diet Coke would come in. You still
0: want like a cute, fun drink to
1: sip on. Yeah, you want like a cute, fun drink glass. So yeah, yeah, like a Mokito is really good to order. Um, A soda water, specify in a small glass with like a splash of pineapple. Like things like that are just like easy for bartenders to make. And even if they don't have mocktails on the menu, they can make them easily.
0: Love that. Amazing. Perfect.
1: Okay. I can help. I know that's a tough topic to navigate.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. But I appreciate those suggestions, and I'm sure everyone else does. And if if you guys, if you have any other questions about sober dating, definitely send them my way. You can DM them or email them to podcast at gmail.com or just hit up Molly and buzzkill lines. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of oversharing, mm. <laughs> there are so many things I remember hearing about your dating life. Yeah. I... Whether it was when you were in your like late 20s when we met, whether it was in your early 30s or even stories you would tell me about growing up and your early 20s and and even just how you were raised and kind of like the school environment you were in. I just feel like you've had so many interesting and unique, uniquely relatable experiences. Oh, thanks. I want to start with high school. Okay. And then we'll get into some of the the more relevant stuff. But um, Molly, it would be a shame if I did not ask you to read an excerpt of your diary from when you were growing up.
1: Okay, I think we should preface this by saying that, um, well, a few things. One, the reason you know about this is because we went on a hinge retreat where we had like a talent show. And that this was my talent, was reading my my journal from high school. So I also... um, I don't know if other people like did this when they were younger, but I, I guess this was like before blogs and stuff. So like, yeah, this you wrote was down
0: everything to
1: like get, there was no social media when I was in high school. So like there, this was the only way to get things out was just like journal. So I journaled a lot and I actually have a, um, like a big, like plastic bin full of just like all my journals from childhood. They're so funny, but, um, yes, I would be happy to read a portion of this for you. <laughs> Um, so So you think I should, what part do you want me to read? Do you want me to read like the, the setup? I, I think that would probably be best. Perfect.
0: Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're dating, it can be so easy to get caught up in the stress and anxiety of every situation. Why aren't they communicating? Why didn't they text me back? Am I getting ghosted? Why is this happening again? Why can't someone commit? I've asked myself all of these questions too, more times than I can count. Whether you want to be a better problem solver or a better dater, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash other people today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash other people. I have to give a quick shout out to Anchor. If you don't know about Anchor, it's Spotify's podcast platform, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Trust me. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free, and you know I love free. Second of all, their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast directly from your phone or computer. What could be easier than that? Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you want it played. You can also make money from your podcast, no matter how few downloads you get regularly. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hope you love today's episode. Okay, so... Um, This was
1: August. I I love how I have the dates on here. So this was August 21st, 2002. So,
0: oh my God, it was 20 years
1: ago. That's insane. Okay. So I was a fresh, I was starting freshman year of high school. And for context, I went to a Catholic high school in Chicago. Okay. So here's, uh, here it is. I have a problem and his name is Chris Cameron. Obviously names all changed. Today was the third day of high school. I was standing there in this heinous gym outfit that should be illegal when he walked in. Even from across the gym, I could see he was clearly more mature than all these other idiots in the class. I mean, hello, he was like 6'2 and wearing new balance sneakers and a watch. That's how I knew (laughs) Then Miss Cooper called Roll and I found out his name, Chris Cameron. Yes, as in the Chris Cameron who I thought was only a Chicago 8th grade legend as in the guy who took Sarah B to see Castaway in seventh grade and they made out in the back of the theater. She gave him a hand job. I was jealous then, and I'm even more jealous now. But then a problem happened. He literally hugged that stupid bitch, oh my god, Allison Kearney. She's only a freshman and she already plays varsity volleyball. Anyway, she started stretching and sticking out her volleyball-toned butt at him. Meanwhile, I was over in the corner getting accosted by some freak named Owen who was trying to tell me that he has a fear of trains. If this is a sign of how high school is going to be, I don't want to live. Was <laughs> a little dramatic. All right. Uh, we go a few months later. October 21st, 2002. Today is the worst day of my life. Chris and Allison are dating. I had to watch them grinding all over each other this weekend at Turnabout. It was so disgusting. So mainly I just stood by the snacks table and hated my life. All right, now we're going to um, for, fast forward a year. So first day of sophomore year. Today, the best thing ever happened. It is going to serve as a catalyst for the rest of my love life. Sixth period, U.S. history started. Sister Colleen, yes, I had a nun for a history teacher, put us in assigned seats, and it was like God was rewarding me. <laughs> she put me between Brian Fahey and Chris. Chris and Brian are best friends, and it was apparent from the very start that they would have to talk over me for the entire freaking year to gain access to each other. More later on these epic developments. Okay, so now like two weeks later, or two months later. It's been almost two months since the best day of my life, a.k.a. when Chris and Brian were seated on either side of me in U.S. history, and today I was rewarded for my patience. I got this idea from teen people that if you want to talk to a guy, you should buy something that he can't turn down like gum or a mint, and offered it to him as an excuse to talk to him. I spent at least four weeks trying to gain the courage to do this. I even bought mints, gum isn't allowed at this school, and have been carrying them around with me for a month waiting for this moment. Today, I knew I had to do it. I offered Chris a mint, and when he took it, our fingers touched, and I swear to God, it was like an electric current of love ran through our fingertips. I finally know what I had always suspected. Chris and I are definitely soulmates. Okay, so now, like, a couple months later. This is better I than I remember. Today, I found out why no how guys pay attention to me. I haven't been to JUG, and that's where they all hang out. In case someone reads this 100 years from now when I'm dead and famous wondering what JUG is, JUG is a barbaric Catholic version of detention that stands for justice under God. I got a double JUG today because I was caught reading a Cosmo during Mass. Mr. Juilliard grabbed it away from me in the middle of Father Paulson's homily. This is the most Catholic thing I've ever heard, by the way. Ever, ever. About including new people at your lunch table. This was mega disturbing because I was on the article about spicing things up for Valentine's Day with new blowjob techniques. This is obviously (laughs) highly relevant to me considering I have seen so many penises. Not. Anyway, Chris was also in Jug. I said hey when he sat down and I'm pretty sure it came out. Super cool, because he turned around and said, hey, back, and smiled and kind of flicked his hair. Holy shit. I spent the rest of Jug enjoying my view of the back of his head. Okay, a couple of weeks later. Never mind. This is not the best week ever. I strategically planned my exit from Jug today so I could walk next to Chris and we could go down the stairs together. My plans were thwarted by, by that mega bitch, Emily Murphy. She was literally standing outside Jug waiting for Chris. I was brushed aside like the non Abercrombie wearing piece of trash. I am. And they walked off together. I wonder if they're dating. Okay. March 20th, 2004, 2004. They're dating. I hate my life. May 13th, 2005. This last weekend was homecoming. And I can honestly say it was the best day of my life. Yes. It involves Chris. Anyway, I went with Alex Lee, who is super cool. I don't really like him, like him, but since he's friends with the cool kids, I got to go to the Lincoln park after party at John block's house. Guess who was also there? Chris and Emily. I think they're on the verge of breaking up though, because I saw her talking to Jack Christensen and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be talking to any other guys if I were dating Chris. What a moron. Anyway, homecoming was so awesome. I drank a beer for the first time. I only took a few sips because I didn't want to get wasted. Oh <laughs> I told God. Chris or I told Brian Faye I'd had nine shots before I got there so he wouldn't think I was lame. P.S. I've still never seen a penis. This situation is getting dire. But honestly, I only want to see Chris's penis. So if I, if, if, I see, if I never see his, I guess I'll become a nun. Okay, then this is May of 2006, end of senior year. While it's official, I made it through all of high school without dating Chris. This is incredibly depressing, so I decided to talk to my mom about it. She told me high school romances never last and that I can see him at the high school reunion and will probably start dating. I've decided I'm going to spend four years in college getting super hot so that I can make my move at the five-year reunion PSS still haven't ever seen a penis. And then here we go with a five-year reunion update. They're still dating. What the fuck? My mom is a liar. And then a 10-year reunion update. They're married. Fuck my life.
0: I'm freaking out. (laughs) That deserves an award for so many reasons. First of all, like you are all of us you just wrote it down but in the most perfect way ever
1: I mean I like I obviously had to pull like sections out because that was like a 10-year span of things but yeah I mean I'm still kind of pissed about it
0: (laughs) I mean I get it like I have so many questions one being like are you okay
1: Yes. I'm okay. I've, I've made it through.
0: (laughs) I'm really glad to hear that.
1: Um, Yeah. I I don't follow either of them on social media. I don't really like follow anybody from high school on social media anymore. So um, I don't know what they're doing or how their lives are going, but I can genuinely say, I think I've made it to a mature point where I hope that they're doing well.
0: Molly, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Really, really (laughs) so much maturity, so much growth. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, did these things like did that serve as a catalyst for your love life you know that day where you were seated between them those that day where your hands touched like is is anything in there representative of how the rest of your dating life has gone to this point
1: I think yes in the sense that I tend to romanticize like a lot of things that happen to me and everything in my life like I'll turn it into a romantic comedy no matter what it just feels like being dramatic about things sometimes can be like a little bit more fun. So yeah, yes. I mean, like touching hands with someone when you're giving them a piece of gum is like not the most exciting thing in the world, but like if you assign meaning to it, it can be.
0: <laughs> Do you think that that has like helped you in your dating life or hurt you?
1: Mm. Well, I'm still single. So obviously it's, yeah. hurt me. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think honestly, all I can think of is, I'm really happy right now. So like the, the idea that um, I think there's just ups and downs. I don't think that there's like hurting or not hurting or doing something one way better than another way. Like there's so much dating advice out there. I think that tells you like, do this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of think that like, while those things are probably true to an extent, I think sometimes you have to go through a lot of ups and downs to like get to the other side. So Um, I don't like to view it as like oh doing something a certain way has hurt me because ultimately like I learn a lesson or I stop doing it that way or I double down on it because that's just like my personality and I can't help myself and eventually like I'm sure you would agree with this like you can take all these rules and make all these changes about who you are but like eventually the real you is going to come out and the right person will appreciate the real you.
0: Absolutely, and you don't want somebody to like you because of who you're trying to be and because of these rules you're trying to follow because that's not who you really are.
1: Exactly, yeah. And I think I spent a lot of time, especially in my early 20s, like trying to make myself into like a mold of what I thought the person who who I wanted would want. And that never works. Like eventually the, the real me is gonna come out and I've had much more fulfilling relationships when I've just kind of like been myself, but I think it takes a lot of work to get to it because everyone says be yourself, but it takes yeah. so much work to be like confident and comfortable enough to be yourself.
0: It also takes a lot of time to figure out who you are. And yeah. I feel like one of the things that I have consistently heard you say over the years is like, you didn't have your life together in your early 20s, like you had no idea who you were in your early 20s. And so I'm curious, like, how you figured out who you are. And and maybe it didn't happen for a really long time. But to get to a point where you're now like you're 33, you're really successful, you've gone after the things that you wanted to do in life. And like you just said, you're happy. Like, that's all we all really want, like dating and relationship stuff aside. So Mm -hmm. I'm super curious to hear how you got there. Because I know, it wasn't like a straight path. Like I know it was a really oh, bumpy road. It, it for was you. hard.
1: I mean, I used to like when I was living in New York, and just for like context' sake, like I lived in New York from twenty four to, I guess thirty thirty one, and um I remember there were stints, and probably the most most of the time that I lived there, that I like couldn't. I was so uncomfortable with my own thoughts that I like constantly had to either be on the phone with someone when I was walking somewhere or like listening to music or listening to a podcast because I just couldn't stand like sitting with myself. And I think that was something that when I brought that up to my therapist at the time, um that was something that we've like really worked on and it was really hard. And like one of my crutches was calling my mom and it was a not only a distraction from me for me but it was like I would get reassurance that I was making all the right decisions when like the reality is as an adult you want to be making the decisions that you're making and feel confident in them and not have to consult people especially your parent so one of the exercises that he gave me was like you have to go like or try and go like a day or two or three days without calling your mom and that was really really hard for me um just because I would literally call my mom and be like oh what should I have for lunch you're like oh I'm walking by this like cool building or so I went on this date last night or whatever and just having to like sit with my own thoughts and like say like okay but what do I actually think about this that was um that was huge
0: yeah I'm sure that that was was a really difficult like transition
1: yeah it was really really hard and um and I mean you know this like I've had like my ups and downs with like mental health things and like depression, anxiety. Like I've been, you know, I've, I was in therapy the whole time that I was in New York. And then, um, you know, I really haven't talked too much about this, but I'm happy to talk about it with you just cause like, you know, a little bit about it, but like after, um, you and I left hinge, um, I was just so, it was the middle of the pandemic. I think a lot of people were kind of like afloat at that point, like not really sure, a little freaked out or like, stuff was going on with her jobs. The world was a scary place. And I was just reassessing like, okay, I don't have this job anymore, which was like my entire identity. And I was reassessing like, what is my relationship or what do I want my relationship to be with alcohol and like going out and partying and like all these things. And so I made the decision, which was a pretty dramatic decision, but I, I think it's important to talk about. I made the decision to check myself into a four, pay, four week rehab program. So like, This A lot of people, when they hear rehab, they think, oh, it's just for, like, serious, you know, drug problems or, like, detox or things like that. But I went to a place that was um, focused on, like, what they call coexisting issues. So, like, you know, there were a lot of people that had, like, maybe an eating disorder and depression or a trauma-related thing from their childhood and, um, you know, some sort of – mental struggle or you know whatever there was like a ton of different things so I went for four weeks and just what I wanted to do is sort out everything in my life like take a step back take myself away from everything so like all devices all you know phones computers like everything that social media um and that was like the number one thing I did that helped me figure out like who are you what do you want to do in your life um what you know what do you stand for? Like, what do you believe in? Who are the people that are good to have in your life? Who do you need to cut out? What are the mistakes you've made? Who do you need to apologize to? Like all of these things. And that, thank God I was able to figure out like all of that within a four week period. And it's, I can honestly say it's been the happiest like year of over a year of my life since I did that.
0: That's incredible. And and part of how amazing that is, is how like brave you were to go into that experience because that's really scary it it. I remember I mean we both felt like our lives were flipped upside down when we lost our jobs we did not see that coming and like you said like that job was like your identity like that job was also my identity and we mm-hmm. were so wrapped up in it that all of these other things our mental health like our social lives our, our personal lives like ev- our physical health like every single thing was impacted by how sucked in we were to these jobs that we had. And I think what's really like impressive and what I really admire is how you went into this situation and you forced yourself to answer these questions that most people don't ever ask themselves.
1: It was and, so uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. uncomfortable. Really, I mean, I cried like every day.
0: I'm sure. I mean, especially coming from someone who re, prior to that, like you were afraid to sit with your own thoughts. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then that's also like me being in, like I was going to therapy once a week for years prior to that. And like, but what I, when I talk about like, and honestly, like I'm very nervous to talk about this because people like get freaked out when they hear about like mental health things and whatever. But I think it's so important to talk about because every time I talk about it in private with someone, almost nine out of 10 times they're like, wow, maybe I should examine this part of my life or I should do that. So I do think it's important just to give people like some insight into the fact that like these options exist, you know? Um, Yeah. But what I was going to say is, um, wait, what was your question about the, about sitting with your thoughts?
0: No, no, not necessarily a question. Just I can imagine that going from like being afraid to sit with your own thoughts to then having to answer all of these like, Really intense, deep emotional questions about who you are and what oh. to do with your life like it's just like and and i I really admire that, and I really appreciate you being open to sharing it. I also want to say like in you opening up about that, I remember, and you still do this to this day, but you write these really long thought out captions on Instagram on your mm-hmm. posts, and I I like respect the shit out of you for them thank because you. it's things that people don't talk about and it's things that so many people deal with. And I see them like, Oh my God, I wish like every single person I knew followed Molly, because I know so many people who would relate to this or who would feel less alone from seeing this. So yeah. Thank you I for mean, that's,
1: that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I mean like, that's the, that's the reason I do it is and I it's, it's funny because like every time I post one of those, I get nervous. Because it's been ingrained in me to, like, not air your dirty laundry. And I think a lot of people from, like, our parents' generation are, like, very uncomfortable with the level level of vulnerability that a lot of us are, you know, sharing on social media or you with your podcast or whatever. Like, but that's just another way of connecting with people. And I think it's Brene Brown that says, like, the whole purpose of being alive is to connect with other people. So, you know, if you're not doing that, then what's the point? But One thing I was going to say, though, um, is that when I was in therapy, um, my like once a week therapy in New York, I in retrospect, I figured out that that was just me kind of warding off one or putting out fires and like warding off one crisis after another. I wasn't doing like the deep work in that therapy to try and figure out who I was just because there was so much going on with like our jobs and our social lives and dating and everything, it was like, Oh my God. Like it was like one crisis after another, every single week. I didn't have time. You only get an hour a week. I didn't have time to like, literally be like, okay. So like, why do I have this belief system or whatever? And that's why going to rehab was really good is because people or the, what, what you do in rehab, like they give you, I wish I could share this with like, like shout this from the rooftops because Nobody knows what goes on in rehab. It's, like, very secretive almost, but they give you, like, a schedule every week, and it's, like, morning meditation, journaling, like, at least the place I went to, um, morning meditation, journaling. You make, like, a really nice, like, farm-stable meal with, like, the people you're living with, um you go to group therapy, you go to individual therapy, you go to animal therapy, you go to yoga, you go like, there's just so many different things that happen like all day. And it really does give you a chance to like, think about why, why you wanted to like, go there in the first place and like what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like going to It's like taking a college course on yourself and your Mm -hmm. thoughts and your values and
1: deciding
0: why, why have you done the things you've done and, and what do you want to do differently?
1: 100%. And then also like, for me, like I, I mean, I had stopped drinking prior to this. So it wasn't like, that wasn't different for me, but like for a lot of girls in there, like, you know, they had like an addiction and people say it's, not an, addi- you can't get addicted. It's, it's bullshit. You can't get addicted to like marijuana, like vape pens and things like that. Like there were girls that had been like relying on that as like a crutch. Like they were smoking like every day after work or, you know, whatever, whatever their like coping mechanism was, maybe they were, they had an eating disorder. Like there were so many different ways that people were coping with things. And when you're in an environment like that, all those coping mechanisms get taken away from you. So like, and maybe social media is your coping mechanism, just scrolling on Instagram all day, you know, or like texting people or being on dating apps and like all that stuff gets stripped away and you're literally just left with yourself. And that is like, it's a crazy experience. I have to be honest. I realized I had not been without a phone for, you know, 20 years. Like how crazy is that?
0: Yeah. It's scary to think about just like, like 14 hour screen time day after day after day after day. It's like, wait, I don't look up.
1: Yeah. 100%. It's, it's, it's crazy. And like the fact that we live so much of our lives, like on a phone or socializing in some way, even if you're alone, we're socializing because we're texting, we're, you know, on Instagram or on TikTok, whatever it is. And like, to just get that taken away from you is just, like, very eye-opening. It is very – so even if you don't do – you don't need, like, a full program or whatever, I would highly recommend people take time away from their phones, even for, like – it's hard to do even for a few hours, to be honest. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, but when you do it, it's so rewarding. And, I mean, one of my friends and I will have, like, no phone walks or, like, we'll, be, we'll, like, hang out and we'll be, like, let's leave our phone at the door. And, like, those are – the most enjoyable times I have because I'm actually fully present.
1: Yeah, 100. percent And isn't it funny too, though? Like the way that phones have made us so reliant on believing that like the world is a scarier place than it really is. Like when I leave my phone at home, I'm afraid I'm gonna like get attacked or something, and I won't have a phone.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. So the, true. The reality.
1: I mean, like depending on where you live, but like the chances, like you're not, you're probably not gonna get attacked if you just go on like a 15 minute walk. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. So what did this time of reflection kind of bring up for you in terms of your like past relationships and your dating life and how you wanted to move forward in your dating life and what you wanted to like really look for.
1: So one thing that um I would say the biggest thing that the biggest revelation that I had uh when I was in um in that program was how do I say this like I was looking for partners who were going to fill a hole. So it's actually like really uh, pertinent that I read that, even though it's funny that I read that like journal entry, because when I was in high school, I, I always say like, I wasn't a dork in high school. I wasn't popular in high school. I was just kind of there. And I felt like I was very invisible and like there weren't a lot of Especially like the guys that I had crushes on and that I wanted to date, they were like the typical like jock, like popular guy. And then when I um when I got to college, I really did like a 180 and sort of like reinvented. I, I literally remember thinking this to myself. I'm like, well, it's too late for high school because everybody already knows who I am. So I'm just gonna copy everything that like the cool popular girls did and like make myself like that in college. And then all of a sudden I was attracting all these types of guys that like I thought were just like the shit. And Mm -hmm. when I got, you know, started doing work in therapy and everything, I started realizing that I was literally just going after guys who I thought would make me feel like that would fill a self-esteem hole for me. So like if someone was like, um, you know, like, really hot or like successful in some way or like famous or whatever it was like, I would think, Oh, well, if I date this guy, then that must mean I'm like a worthy individual. And I wasn't looking for like actual human connection and the best relationships that I've had um, really have been ones that I've either fallen into by accident or, um, you know, recently, like I've definitely been dating different types of people and they're all, you know, I'm really trying to focus like super hard on actually like connecting with a human being and not focusing so much on the external factors of like, oh, this person is cool, hot, has a lot of social capital, like things like that. Like that's really hard to, and, and I mean, I think a lot of girls have that problem and I don't think anybody's talking about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because people don't want to talk about it because they're embar- they don't know how to admit it. If people, most people don't realize it, and the ones who do are like, "Oh, well, I'm going to keep that to myself."
1: Yeah, and also, I think you know, not to disparage dating apps, but I think dating apps have made it a lot easier to fall into that trap because really, absolutely. what dating apps are, it's just like a marketing tool
0: yeah. of like
1: who you are, and you can look at these guys on there, and you're judging them based on their appearance, and then like the the things that they put on their profile, which are, like, you know, or where I went to school or, like, what my job is or whatever. And the reality is I've, like, met so many guys that are so cool, and this is why I prefer meeting people in person. I've met so many cool, awesome guys who maybe didn't even, like, go to college or, like, you know, or, like, have some other, like, weird career path or, like, the chemistry is there, but I would have never swiped right on them or said yes on them on Hinge or whatever if I just saw, like, their – on paper stats
0: 100 i remember there was a time i feel like i did a lot of experimenting with like filters and stuff when i was working at hinge just to kind of learn and see what's out there mm-hmm. and there was a time where like when i first started and i got upgraded to like hinge premium i was like oh my god i can set like postgraduate degree like some yeah. higher like not just a bachelor's degree but like i uh, like someone needs a phd or an md whatever it is And all of a sudden I was getting and so I had that set and I had Jewish set and all of a sudden I was getting every hot, successful, rich (laughs) doctor and lawyer in New York City. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. But I had absolutely nothing to talk to these people about. Mm -hmm. And it was actually interesting. And this is one like really big takeaway that I have from my time working at Hinge that was positive was there were actually a lot of people there. Some who I became very good friends with who did not go to college or yeah. did not graduate from college. And that was really, really eye opening to me, because that's actually something I had never really experienced before. Those are people who I had never thought that I had like, connect with become really good friends with. And that was something for me where it's like, wow, like maybe I am prioritizing the wrong things in my dating life.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, it's hard because like, when y- you have to like, unlearn a lot of biases that you've grown up yes. with, Um, And when, you know, for example, with the college thing, if your whole life, you've heard how important it is to go to college and be educated and all this stuff. It is hard to wrap your mind around the idea that somebody could have taken a different path in life and be, you know, just as successful or smart or whatever. And, but the truth is there's people that went every which way that are like awesome. And I totally agree with you. I think I know who you're talking about um, for like the, the one person at hinge. And I completely agree. Like, He's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like one of the smartest people I know. And like, so yeah, great. And I, would ne- I would never people. have thought that would never have thought that in a million years. Um, yeah, and, you have
1: to, and it's like, there's so many life circumstances that go along with people's stories that it's like, yeah, maybe I didn't do this or that or whatever, but I did this other thing and that's what makes me, me. And I'm just as intelligent and fun and whatever.
0: 100%. I'm curious what else you learned from, because you were at hinge like a lot longer than I was too, just about, life and love from your time working there?
1: Oh, that is such a good question. Um, I mean, honestly, like, for me, personally, I've learned that I probably want to meet someone in person. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the number one thing I've taken away. I, I just I'm not I'm not a good picker on dating apps. Some people are really good at it. I am not good at it. So like, One thing that I learned is that, and I certainly do not do this every day by any means, but I try to make an effort to not go out looking like a disgusting, you know, like if I'm go, you know, if I'm going to like the grocery store or whatever, now we're all work from home. So like, it's easier to run errands during the day. I try to make every opportunity that I'm out in public, an opportunity to meet someone so like that's awesome but like if I'm not but and it's not even about like looking great or whatever but it's more about like feeling good you know like I'm not gonna feel confident if I'm in line at Starbucks with like pajamas and you know my hair all crazy or whatever like I'm not gonna feel confident to talk to someone and there's been so many times in my life where I have been in line at Starbucks and I see some really cute guy and I'm like damn I wish I looked cute and felt good right now because I would talk to him
0: I completely get what you mean about it's not necessarily about like looking good it's about feeling good and that's I that's something I really relate to where like if I if I've been like sick for a few days and it's my first time going out or if I'm like really not excited for something and there would be times where I like really wasn't excited for a date or like a party or whatever it was like I would spend more time getting ready so that i would like feel really good like i'd put on like an outfit i was so excited to wear so that yeah. was something i was excited about and would feel really good about and like there are things that i know like my go-to like confidence outfits you know mm-hmm. where i just feel like my best self and i totally agree i think because people always ask like how do i meet people not on dating apps how do i meet people not on dating apps it's like you have to set yourself up for success
1: 100 yes and that means uh, honestly i think that like people get so narrow-minded they think like oh the only way to meet people is to like go out to bars but like yeah that's so not the only way to meet people it's like just make every opportunity make every moment that you're outside of your house an opportunity to meet people because it is 100% yeah and don't be afraid to talk to people
0: my best friend's parents met on the subway because one of them said to the other like oh what book are you reading yeah like oh I've read that book before
1: what a pleasant Done. story.
0: <laughs> and, and now three kids later, like 25 years later, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it's really interesting to hear how people's parents met and like hearing those stories and and just hearing what people did before dating apps is always a really nice refresher in like, oh, there are ways to date and meet people and find love outside of these. Do
1: you feel like um, most of your listeners like rely heavily on dating apps?
0: A lot of them do and don't want to.
1: Right. Right, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's such a crutch to fall back on too, because like you're just sitting at home, or you just ha- even if you just went out and you didn't meet anyone, like you're sitting on your couch and you're like, oh, maybe I'll just see what's going on on Hinge or whatever. One hundred
0: percent. I would I would get home from dates and be like, well, that sucked. Okay, I guess I'll finally pay for this other dating app. Maybe that'll yeah. help me. You know?
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I also I think, think that- like another thing that I've done, and this this is something I wish I would have done more of in New York. So I live in, like, not a small town now, but, like, a a much smaller community than New York. Um, And But I think this is a possibility anywhere you live is to, like, really work on making a community, like, in your, wherever you live. So, like, for me, I see the same people over and over again because I go to the same places over and over again. And I think in New York, it's really hard to, like, like you want to keep trying new restaurants and trying new bars and visiting friends in different neighborhoods. And like, that's all great and everything. But like, when you do that, you don't see the same, you don't have like a routine where you see the same people all the time. And right. for me, I feel like I live on like a college campus. Cause I see the same guys and girls everywhere. And I end up meeting more people that way, just cause it's like, Oh, I've seen you around. Like, hi, how are you? Like tonight, for example, I have two girls coming over um, for dinner who one of them is engaged to like a bartender at the bar that I go to all the time. And the other girl is like just her friend. And we were like, yeah, like, let's, let's hang out or whatever. And the one girl is actually doing a bunch of my graphic design work for buzzkill. So like,
0: oh, that's awesome.
1: It's just so important at like, to meet people organically, like through, you know what I mean? And like, who knows, maybe I'll meet someone, maybe I'll meet a guy through them. Who knows. Exactly. Like,
0: you never know what person you become friendly with who is going to be the person that ends up having the friend that you end up with.
1: Yeah. You and never also, know. like, the other weird thing is like, I don't know what it is, but just like pivoting a little bit, I used to freak out. And I'm sure you probably have listeners that like freak out about, like, oh my God, I'm like getting older and I haven't like found someone or whatever. I am so at peace right now. Like, I can't even tell you. I've genuinely made peace with the fact that, like, if I never end up with someone, like, that's fine. I've decided, like, I'm going to have kids no matter what. Like, whether I meet someone or not. So, like, that is the main thing that I was freaked out about. And now it's not a thing anymore because I've decided, like, I just need to set up my life in a way that I can get what I want without someone.
0: How did you come to that decision?
1: Um, I mean... I literally well it was years and years of like you know periodic meltdowns of course of like oh my gosh like i'm not yeah. this didn't go well or this relationship is ending or whatever but i think a lot of women especially put so much stock in the fact that um in order to get a life that you want you need a man or a woman whoever you're with um you need a partner And I just kind of was like, I just started questioning that, that notion. I just started thinking like, well, why? Because maybe, maybe you want children only with a partner and that's fine. But like, I want children no matter what, like I knew that that was like a thing. So I just started saying like, questioning it, like, well, why do I need a partner to have kids? Like, I have a really nice community of people. I have a great family family. There's a lot of people that are born into situations where they have a mom and a dad or a mom and a mom or whatever. And those situations aren't even great, even though they do have two parents. So it's like, there's so many different ways to like do your life and once, and obviously I would still like to meet someone, like, of course. Um, but I just kind of like started questioning all these things I grew up with, all these like notions and just thought like, okay, well, if it doesn't happen, like It doesn't happen. And and I just sort of put myself in the driver's seat of my life and I thought like, okay, what do I need to get done in order to make this happen? So for in my case, like have kids. So I knew I needed to have like a certain financial setup. I needed to have like a life that, you know, was conducive to having kids. I needed to live in a place where like I would want to raise kids, like things like that. So it's like, now I live in the place that I would want to raise kids. I got a dog. So like, that was like my first thing, like, you know, can I handle being responsible for something by myself? Yes, I can. And, um, now I'm working on like the financial aspect of it. So it's like, just really being empowering about my own choices is, has just been awesome.
0: I am so excited for you and happy for you. And it's so refreshing to hear that perspective of like, I know this is something I want and I'm not going to sit here and say, well, what if I don't get it? I'm going to instead say, well, here are the things I do have and here are the steps I need to take to make it happen. Maybe it's not the way that I always pictured it, but I can still have it in an incredible way and it can still be something that I do. And that is mine and a part of my story. And of course, like you said, like it took like years of meltdowns and it wasn't easy to get there, but it's something that is so important for people to take a step back and realize like if that's what they want, they can get it. Totally. Right. It might might
1: also, Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No. And and it might also come like, I think I was going to say exactly what you were going to say. Like it might, you might end up meeting someone later on. You might meet someone once you already have a kid, you might meet someone as like on the, what was the movie I was watching? Oh my God. I was just watching the movie, how to be single. Mm -hmm. have you seen that movie no oh my you have to watch it because this woman in it decides that she's gonna have a baby on her own and that is when she meets a man she's a few months into being pregnant she's like shoving her face with burgers at Mm -hmm. this like work um holiday party and she meets this man and he ends up i'm not gonna spoil it for you but
1: don't don't spoil it
0: it. it's an amazing amazing movie i like watched it for the second time this past weekend rebel wilson's in it it's like an amazing cast. absolutely go watch it but yeah I think that's it's really admirable and it's something that I'm really like just happy to hear your perspective and and that journey because I think like more people need to
1: kind of it's be just so it's honestly like so much nicer just being at peace than freaking out like there's yeah. no po- freaking out that's what another thing I've realized like freaking out and panicking is not going to get you what you where you want to go or what you want to do so you might as well just like enjoy your life in the meantime
0: yeah absolutely how have you handled being on a different timeline than some of your friends I know some of your friends have Mm -hmm. like over the years have gotten married have had kids and that's something that you I know you wanted for yourself by this age but it didn't happen so Mm -hmm. how has that experience gone for you And, and what are some like kind of tips you have for anyone else who might be struggling with that well
1: first let me let me correct one thing because I think um I probably told you that I wanted kids by this age and to be married and stuff because I was trying to trick myself into thinking that I wanted that. But as I've like thought more about it, I actually don't think I wanted to get married and have kids. Like if I really wanted that, I think I would have done it by now. And Mm -hmm. I didn't. And I think it's because I wasn't ready. I think just now I'm getting ready to the point where like I – I'm done with like the party phase of my life. Like I'm done with all that. Like I know myself better. Now I think I'm ready to get a little bit more settled. Hence like getting the dog and like moving into a nicer place and like, you know, whatever. But to answer your question about being on a different timeline, like I'm not going to lie. Cause I hate when people sugarcoat things. A lot of your friends, when they have babies and get married, will drop off the face of the planet. Like they, they do not stick around. So yeah. that's, That's just like the reality of things is that people's priorities change sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes that being said, I have a few friends who I've gotten closer with since they have kids. So like my friend, my best friend, Emma, for example, when she told me she was pregnant, I cried because I thought it was going to like totally change our relationship and like make everything different, whatever. I now cannot, her daughter is um, a year and a half. I cannot imagine like life without this baby. Like she's the best kid on the planet. I love her. I love her husband. I love the, like the life they've made together. And she also has not not much has changed, like in terms of like the way we interact and our friendship and everything. So I think it just depends on the person. Like some people will fold you into their life and like invite you to come stay with them and like hang out and go to dinner. Want to still go out to dinner and do things like that bring the kid everywhere other people just like hunker down into like parent mode and like it becomes all about the kids and that's not to say one way is better than the other it's just it's just two ways of doing things
0: yeah and I'm glad you pointed that out in a very real way where it's like things are going to change and some people will drop off the face of the earth because it's important to not be so shocked when that does happen because Mm -hmm. it will but there will also be people who stick around. There will be people who your friendship, like you said, like becomes stronger because of it. And I think it's just a matter of not taking it personally if somebody does kind of go that way of like... Oh, it's, it's this, never
1: personal. It has nothing to yeah. do with you. And the other thing is, is like, I'm actually now at the age where some of my friends have gotten divorced. So like, that's also another interesting thing is like, maybe someone was married and it didn't work out for what, like I was just at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and a friend of mine, he was just like an acquaintance friend, um, came up to me and was like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Like, great to see you, whatever. And she's like, okay, I'll just get like the awkward thing out of the way. Like I'm getting a divorce. And like, wow. that was, you forget. I think when, at least for me, when I was like age 27 to like 30, there were so many weddings and I was like, Oh my God, I'm getting left behind like hardcore, And now it's like, you're kind of saying that not everything maybe was as rosy and perfect as it all seemed. And like, life is just weird. Like people stay married, don't stay married, have kids, don't have kids, decide they're gay. Like there's like a million things that like are, that happen through life. And I think your 30s, at least for me, have been a time when everybody's gotten more authentic. I have enjoyed my 30s 10 times more than my 20s.
0: And you know what? I keep hearing that from people. <laughs> I really keep hearing that from people. And I feel like there was this whole like shift in the narrative of like, you have to enjoy your twenties. Cause once you're 30, like it's all downhill from there. And I think over the last few years, it's become like, your twenties are fun. Your thirties are even better because at that point, you know who you are and you know, what's important to you. And you hopefully likely have more money to like spend on the things you enjoy. And like, yeah. you just have it all figured out not necessarily all figured out, but more so than you did in your 20s. 100%, and I think that's awesome. 100%. Yeah.
1: Like I, I loved my 20s. It was fun. It was really fun. I did a lot of cool stuff, but like my 30s have been so much better. So much better.
0: I love that. I love hearing that. Okay. Molly, one last question for you. And this is something I ask on every seeing other people episode. And that is what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever
1: gotten? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard one. I wish you had. I wish you had told me that you were going to ask this earlier. Um, <laughs> probably. Oh gosh. Um,
0: it's hard. It's hard for everyone. I don't even know what my answer is to this.
1: Let me. Th- I want to give something that's good because I have a few things in mind. Um, I
0: mean, you can give a few. You've given amazing advice throughout this episode, so you can't go wrong. But you can give a few if you want.
1: Okay. Well, this is. You know, I've already touched on this, but, like, one piece of advice is use every opportunity you're out of your house as an opportunity to meet someone. That's definitely, like, way up there. Yeah. Um, Another piece of advice is um, don't get too drunk on dates. (laughs) Like, I think when you drink, even if you're not, like, drunk drunk, I think if you're even a little bit tipsy, you can get into a point sometimes And this is – if you're just trying to, like, have fun and do whatever, like, yeah, but if you're – do whatever you want. But, like, if you're, like, looking for a partner, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, I think that um, getting a little too rowdy on dates can make you seem – it can make it seem like you're having more fun than you're actually having. And Mm -hmm. you don't actually get to know the person very well. So that was, like, one thing that, like – was definitely a trend for me in New York. Is I would just be like, "Oh, sweet! Like we're going out. Like let's have a good time, whatever." And like, just don't do it. <laughs> it's not worth it. So those are probably my two big pieces of advice. I hope those are helpful.
0: <laughs> I love it. drink Buzzkill on your dates. Drink Buzzkill. Have a drink Buzzkill. Buzzkill. Molly, thank you so so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find Buzzkill online and? actually get their hands on some wine
1: yeah so you can find me on instagram at my life as molly um obviously we follow each other so your followers can find me through you um and then buzzkill is just at buzzkill wines on instagram and tiktok
0: amazing and how can people buy buzzkill
1: um pre-orders are going to be available today so um yeah once this episode is up people will be able to order it at buzzkillwines.com
0: hell yeah i'm so excited molly thank you so so much for being here to everyone who listened don't forget to send this episode to a friend who would love to hear it send it to your group chat send it to your slack channels with your coworkers. give a five-star rating on spotify and a nice five-star rating and review on apple if you haven't yet and i'll see you next time